thank you for having me today. Kids, please go to the children's barn. Pray for your parents while you're gone. Wow. What a blessing. Let's say a prayer. Father, I thank you for those kids. I would ask that you would touch them, touch their hearts. Lord, give them what they need. Lord, help them to be able to learn. I would ask for those workers down there that have prepared and that what they prepared would come together for them and that you would just use them to glorify your name, to touch those kids. Father, thank you for this time that we have uh, to worship together, to share together. Lord, help us to Help us to listen. In Jesus' name, amen. Bringing in the sheaves. Psalm 126, verses 1 through 6. Bringing in the sheaves. So Toby bought me a proper coat. Columbia, and I so appreciate that. It's, uh, it's been handy, but when they handed me this mic and stuff, they took my coat away. <laughs> I hope to get it back. I probably won't forget it, though, when I step out there. Thank you for being here. In Psalm 126, the Lord has released his people, Judah, from captivity in Babylon. Uh, he has secured their freedom, let them go. And Psalm 126 is about their experiences emotionally, what was going on, you know, with them at the time. And then it's about what they faced, you know, going, going forward. So look at, look at this with me. Psalm 126 and verse 1. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, when the Lord set us free as captives... We were like those who dreamed. They said, it, this, it was so good when the Lord secured our release from captivity. It was like, it was like we were dreaming. I mean, it was, it was just unbelievable. Then our mouth was filled with laughter. They'd been crying before. And our tongue with shouts of joy. They said among the nations, this is among the heathen nations that didn't even believe in God. This, is their, this was their observation of God getting his people out of Babylon. They said, the Lord has done great things for them. I mean, someone from the outside, you know, looked at that situation and realized that 
It was supernatural that they were freed like that. The prophet Isaiah uh, talked about Cyrus, the king, who would release um, the people to go back to Jerusalem. Uh, he, he talked about him, and he mentioned him by name. He mentioned Cyrus by name over 100 years before Cyrus was born. And so when Cyrus came into power, when God put him in power, then he released the people. It was just supernatural. I mean, it was, you can't explain it. And in verse 3, they agree with the sentiment of those looking in. The Lord has done great things for us. We're glad for that. Restore our fortunes. Turn again our fortunes, O Lord, like streams in the Negev. Uh, the Negev is, is the desert area south of Judah. So they are familiar with this area. But it's just desert. You've seen those um, time-lapse films of water coming onto, into a, a desert and everything's brown and dead and, I mean, there's nothing there. And then it rains and then all of a sudden from everywhere there's all this green sprouting up and I don't know how they do that, but, you know, you watch them grow. I mean, there's, and there's flowers everywhere and it's just beautiful and it just it makes all the difference. And, and they're saying, Lord, make our return to Judah from captivity from Babylon, make it like a rain in the desert. That wouldn't be a bad prayer for us, would it? Lord, make my life like a, like a rain in the desert to, to just to blossom and to be blessed. And verse 5 has, and 6 have several, applications, several different applications. One of them is, those who sow in tears, it says, shall reap with shouts of joy. While they were in captivity, they were sowing in tears. They were crying because of their captivity. And because of sorrow for their sin, they were weeping. Okay? And when they got released, they were reaping shouts of joy. There were shouts of joy when they got released. But there's another application to this. And that is that when, when they were um, released from captivity, when the Lord restored them to their homeland, it didn't solve all of their problems. Okay? It didn't solve all their problems. In fact, they came back to Jerusalem, to Judah, and the city of Jerusalem had been burned to the ground. In fact, the Lord said in, Jem in Jeremiah of, of the land of Judah, the Lord said it would be a ruin and a waste, the whole land. And so they were coming back to this. And so they get back to, to Judah, to Jerusalem, and they find that the worst reports that they'd heard were true. City burned to the ground. Even the walls were missing. So if they built houses in the city of Jerusalem, there's no protection from anyone coming in, from the enemies coming in. And out in the countryside where they farmed, you know, the, the old homestead, the family place that had been for generations in the family, that home was probably gone or maybe lived in by someone else, right? I mean, th these were difficult conditions. Those farms hadn't been attended in 70 years. The vineyards were gone. Everything was grown up. That it, was, it was difficult. There was nothing good there. It was all uphill to them. 
And then there was the opposition, those that were opposed to them being there. There were people then, as there are now, who did not want the Jews to be in Israel, didn't want them there, did not want them to be there, hated them, and did not want them to be there. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? And so they opposed everything that, that these returning Jews, which is from Judah, the returning Jews, everything that they set up to do, they were, they were opposed. In, in fact, when Nehemiah came back a few years later, when Nehemiah came to Jerusalem to rebuild the wall around the city, when he came back to do that, there was such opposition from people who did not want them to build the wall, that the workers on the wall ended up with a trowel in one hand and a sword in the other. That's what it took to rebuild the wall. There was such opposition. And these people coming back from Babylon, they were, they were facing that every day, trying to get things together, trying to get their lives together. And so even though they were sad, even though they were brokenhearted over what they had lost, right, in Jerusalem and Judah. And they were scared about what they faced going forward. We experienced the same thing. We're brokenhearted over what we've lost and, and what we face going forward. But they knew they had to keep going. They had to get seed in the ground, Okay. They knew they had to get seed in the ground. If their family was going to eat in the winter, they've got to get seed in the ground now. They didn't have the luxury, like us, they didn't have the luxury, you know, to take a year and get their family settled in and get the kids, you know, used to the new high school or, well, you know. And they didn't have to, the privilege of doing that I mean they had to get seed in the ground so that later they would have something to eat and thus verse 5 they who sow in tears shall reap with shouts of joy he who goes out weeping even though he's weeping he's carrying seed for sowing and he shall come home with shouts of joy bringing his sheaves with Okay, we're to number one, so we're going now. Listen faster. Um, number one, life doesn't stop even if we do. Life doesn't stop even if we do. Uh, there are things in life, in all of our lives, that make us cry, right? All of our lives that break our hearts. I mean, there are things in our lives that break our hearts, but we must go on. I mean, we can't just stop. We can't just quit, right? We have a tragedy in our lives. We can't just quit. We've got to keep going. We've got to keep going. They knew that. They knew that they couldn't just quit. They couldn't just stop. And so when they would, in verse 5, when they would go out to sow, to put seed in the ground, they would be sowing in tears. They would be crying and sowing at the same time. And we do the same. We can't quit. We can't just stop. Life doesn't stop, even if we do. Because we have kids to take care of, right? I mean, you're sad and you're brokenhearted. 
You still have kids to take care of. You still have families to take care of. You still have a job to go to. You still have responsibilities that you have to fulfill, even if you have to fulfill them with tears rolling down your cheeks. Right? So no matter what's happened to you, or no matter what you have lost, or no matter what you are facing going forward, all of us, we have to keep going. We can't quit. Life doesn't stop even if we do. Uh, Crops won't wait until our tears dry up. Crops won't wait until our tears dry up, until our problems are solved. The crop won't wait for that. So we have these disappointments in our lives. If you could imagine the disappointment when they came back and, and they saw all of that mess, ruins where there once was a beautiful city. Solomon's temple, completely gone. All that was left was the mount upon which it was built. That's all that was left of the Solomon's temple. Nothing else there. They were disappointed. And, and maybe we are disappointed, disappointed in someone, disappointed in something. We expected something different, but that's not what we have. But we know that we can't quit And we've got to get seed in the ground. If we want a harvest, we have to get seed in the ground. So, well, this thing has happened to me. I've got this tragedy. I've got this difficulty in my life. And I just don't know where to start. Well, start by not stopping. Start by not stopping. We can't quit on life. We can't quit on God. We can't quit on our promises, on our families, on our responsibilities. They would like for have things to have been better in Jerusalem and Judah. They would like for things to have been better. But they weren't. They weren't. So they go out weeping, verse 6. He goes out and he's weeping, but he's carrying seed that he's going to sow, going to put in the ground so that he can have a harvest later, later on. Toby's car has a backup camera and I can't use it she wants me to use it she uses it she gets frustrated with me because I don't use it but I I, I start to use it and I want to use it and I'm, I'm looking at this thing and I'm and I'm looking at this camera and, and that screen and and I start backing up and I I, I, I just go to the mirrors and Toby rolls her eyes. And I, and I look back in that mirror. Or I turn around, you know. I ju- I just, it's just hard. And she says, well, what is, what is, why don't you just use the camera? And, and I'm like, well, what if, it, what if I hit something? You know, what if the camera doesn't see something and I hit it? And she said, Ira, it's a camera. It sees what's there. It sees everything that's there. It's not magic. It just sees everything that's there. Just watch the camera, and you won't hit anything. And I said, okay, all right, fine. Next time I'll do it. And so next time I'm backing up, and I'm watching this little screen over here. 
and I start backing up, and I get to, th- I mean, there's stuff going on over here, right? Stuff going on over here, stuff going on behind me, and I'm looking at this little screen, and it just doesn't seem, it doesn't seem right, and I, I, I want to just look there, and it, does anybody else experience this? Come on. Yes, thank you. Thank you for the support. Toby's watching. I hope she saw your hands. Maybe it'll help me. But from that screen, I can't see everything, and it bothers me. You know, in our lives, when we're going through hard times, we can't see everything. We really are just looking at life through a little screen, aren't we? I mean, there's so much going on around us that we don't understand that we can't see. These people came back from Babylon, and there was so much going on that they couldn't see, so many plans that God had for them that they couldn't see, that they couldn't understand. We don't have to figure everything out. We just have this little view of stuff. We can't see everything, but God can Life doesn't stop even if we do, even if we do. So in verse 5, those who sow in tears shall reap with shouts of joy. Those who clean the house in tears shall reap with shouts of joy. Those who go to the job site in tears shall reap with shouts of joy. We've got to keep going. We've got to keep doing it. Those who take care of the kids in tears shall reap with shouts of joy. Do you see how this works? We're carrying out those responsibilities. We're working. Life doesn't stop even if we do a second observation, number two. We must keep doing what we know is right. We've got to keep doing what we know is right. We've got to keep doing what we're supposed to be doing. They didn't feel like sowing. When we're going through hard times, we don't feel emotionally up to it. So well, I'm, I'm just emotionally drained. I'm just not, I can't do, I can't do that. I'm just, I'm an emotional wreck. I cry at the least little thing. I just, I just can't get it together, you know, today. And if, we, and if we've got the privilege of taking some time off and, and getting away and getting with the Lord and getting with, you know, uh, godly friends and stuff, then, then, you, then you take that break and you take that pause. Those are very important. But we've got to keep doing what we know is right, what we know that we're supposed to be doing. And while God gave us our emotions, and our emotions are good, our feelings are good, it's good to have feelings, and, and God gave those to us as a gift. But we can't always trust our feelings. Well, I don't feel like doing this. And so you don't feel like taking care of the kids today, so you just turn them out in the street? I mean, right? I mean, we don't do that, do we? We just don't do that. We don't have to feel like doing it. We do what we know is right. We do what we're supposed to do. Just keep doing that. Just keep doing those things. We can't always trust our feelings to take us where we need to be. Sometimes if we trust our feelings, in fact, our feelings will take us, our emotions will take us places we don't want to go. Agreed? This is yes. 
Agreed? Yes. Yes. When we're hurting and we're broken and we're stressed and, and sometimes it's hard to make decisions, any decisions. And so what are, what are we to do? We need to do what we know to do. Instead of following maybe someone's advice, because we get a lot of advice, but not all of it's good, right? For people. But instead of following our feelings, we need to follow the Holy Spirit of God. And the Holy Spirit will not lead us and not tell us something that's not consistent with the Word of God. The Spirit of God won't tell us anything that's not consistent with the Word of God. And so when we're, when we're going through trouble and we don't know what to do, we just don't know where to turn, we don't know what's coming next, we just do what you know that you're supposed to do. Just keep doing what you know is right. My, what I really learned from my time in Boy Scouts was a, a lesson that I, I learned during a, a jamboree that we had, and, and uh, there was, a, every, the, I guess, the district or whatever was camped at a big lake, and, and they had canoes, and they were going to have a canoe race. In our troop, you know, we, we were excited about the canoe race, and there were six or eight canoes, and, you know, we had, had a, each troop had a canoe, and, you know, we were, you know, getting in the canoe and getting ready to go, and we were so excited because we were country boys. That's probably an understatement. But we were country boys, and those other guys were city boys. And we were going to win this one. I mean, they beat us in everything else, but we, can, we know about canoes, right? I mean, we've been going down the rivers and creeks, and we know about canoes. And so we told our, our scoutmaster, we said, we're going to win this. And he said, I don't want you to win it. I don't want you to win it. I just want you to not turn the canoe over. No, no, we're going to win this. We, we've got this. Those boys, they're going to wear out. And they told us, you know, this is the thing about endurance and teamwork. It's about endurance and teamwork. So you've got to, you know, pace yourself. And, and we said, we, we work. Those city boys don't work. We'll hold out and we'll go around that buoy way out in the lake. I mean, way out there, that buoy. We'd go around that buoy and then come back. We were so excited. We're going to win. No, I don't want you to win. I want you to not turn the canoe over. So the race started. The gun sounded. And we, boy, we country boys, we were digging in. <laughs> we were digging in with those paddles, you know, just going hard. And I don't remember if we were the first canoe that, uh, that reached the buoy. I don't know if we were the first one, but we were the first two or three to reach it. And we didn't even begin to turn. And we flipped it over. And we're there in the water and we're trying to get back in it. And everybody's passing us. Everybody's going around us, you know. And we're, they're aggravated because we're in the way. And, and, and we're trying to, we never, we couldn't get back in it. And so we ended up, because we had life jackets on, we ended up pushing it back to shore. Man, that was a long swim. Pushing it back to shore, pushing that canoe all the way back. When we got back, everybody else was gone. They'd already gone on some other activity, and here we were, you know, dragging that canoe up on the shore. And our leader said, You know, 
you would have won if you hadn't turned the canoe over. There was one thing. We missed the single thing that was the most important thing in a canoe race, and that is if you're going to win a canoe race, you need a canoe. You need to be in a canoe. You don't need to be pushing it. You don't need to be pushing it. And we've got all this stuff going on. And, and you know, we're, we're sad. And, and what are we going to do? And where are we going to go? And, you know, we don't know what to do. We just don't know. We don't know what's going to come. We don't know what to do. And, and there's some, just some basic stuff. We already know what's right. Just do what's right. Don't get sidetracked with all this other stuff. Just stay with what you know is right. Don't turn the canoe over. Just take your time, and the Lord will help you work through it. We must keep doing what we know is right. I'm going to give you something that is very profound, okay? Very profound. Until we get the seed in the ground, the crop won't grow. Until we get the seed in the ground, the crop won't grow. These guys were in a desperate fix. They needed to get the seed in the ground. Those who sow in tears, even though I'm, so, even though I'm in tears, I'm still going out in the field. And in verse 6, he who goes out weeping, I'm weeping and I'm crying and I'm going out, but I've got a bag of seed and I'm going to plant it and I'm going to put it in the ground. Because we need a harvest of blessing. And our families have to have something to eat. So what do we do? Well, we know what we're supposed to do. So we go out in the field. And we go out in the field and we we got a row, right? We've got a row out in the field and, and got these rows and, and drop a seed, cover it up. Take a step. Drop a seed, cover it up. Take a step. Drop a seed, cover it up. Drop a seed, cover it up. But I'm sad. I'm so sad, you know, over what's happened. Drop the seed, cover it up. But I'm in tears over what's happened in my life and this explosion that has taken place in my life and, and things are not way I want the, the way I want them to be. And, and these emergencies are, are happening and unex- the unexpected is coming true. And I, I just... You drop the seed and you cover it up. Well, I've got tears in my eyes. I can't even see the row. Feel for it. Amen? Feel for it. Drop the seed and cover it up. We've got to keep going. We've got to keep doing what we know is right. Until we get the seed in the ground, the crop won't grow. But I'm angry. Oh, I'm so angry. I'm angry at my wife. She's made me mad again. And I don't want to be a loving husband today. I don't feel like being a loving husband today. But you know that that's the right thing. So plant the seed and cover it up and allow your marriage to continue to grow, right? You can't quit doing the things that you know are right to do. Well, I don't feel like being a loving wife. I just don't, I don't feel like that. I mean, not every day as, as a husband is going to be laughter. There are days of tears. Well, except in my life because I'm married to Toby and it's, it's every day's laughter. She's watching. 
But it's not, it's not, well, I'm not going to, I'm going to work, but I'm not going to put all that I've got into work because those people don't appreciate me. I don't make enough money. And so I'm just going to loaf and I'm going to do the very minimum at this job. I'm going to do the very minimum work. That's a good Christian testimony. No, you go to work and you drop the seed and you cover it up and you allow your testimony to grow. Does this make sense to you? Am I making sense? got to keep doing what we know is right to do. We obey first and our feelings will follow. Obey first and our feelings will follow. Well, there's somebody I need to forgive. Boy, I don't feel like forgiving. I will someday, but I just don't feel like forgiving. I just don't feel like that. I don't feel like doing it. You'll never feel like doing it. Do we wait until we feel like doing everything before we do it? No, you do what you know you're supposed to do. You do what you know is right. By the way, I'm going to throw this in. Until we forgive the people who have hurt us, we give them the ability to continue to hurt us. Until we forgive the people who have hurt us, we give them the ability to continue to hurt us. We've got to forgive. Why? Because we know that's the right thing to do. We know that's what God tells us to do. And we know when we plant that seed of forgiveness and that seed of forgiveness begins to grow, we don't feel like it. We don't like it. We don't feel like they don't deserve to be forgiven. But we plant that seed and and. It begins to grow, and God's going to give a harvest. Back in verse 5, those who sow in tears shall reap with shouts of joy. He who goes out weeping, bearing the seed for sowing, shall come home with shouts of joy. Well, I don't feel joy in doing this. You just keep doing what you know you're supposed to do. I don't feel like growing my marriage. Drop the seed, cover it up. Drop the seed, cover it up. Well, I, I, need, I know I need to worship, but I just don't feel like worshiping. Kind of mad at God, actually. Because God could have prevented this from happening, right? I mean, if God's in charge, he could have prevented this from happening. But he didn't. So I'm kind of mad at God. I don't want to worship. I don't want to worship. No, you, you come before the Lord and you drop the seed, and you cover it up. You drop the seed, and you cover it up, and you worship. What, I, what I've experienced, what I've seen in my, in the, what I consider the tragedies, the most difficult times of my life, you know what got me through it? Worship. Worship. You can't even sing the words to the song because you're crying, but you Keep going and you keep worshiping and and praising the one who's going to bring you a harvest of shouting and joy. Because he's all we've got and he's all we need. Third observation. Find strength in the promise of better days. These people returned from Babylon. They couldn't see what was ahead. I mean, they, 
they wanted things to be like they were before they went into captivity, but, well, that was going to be a long time. But they know that if, even if, if, if I sow, if I just keep doing it, in spite of my tears, if I sow, if I put seed in the ground, I'm going to reap with shouts of joy. If I go out weeping, even if I'm weeping and I carry the seed and I drop the seed and I cover it up, I know that I will come home with shouts of joy. I shall come home with shouts of joy and I'm going to bring my sheaves with me. They would go in the wheat field and, or the, the grain field and, and they would gather up a big handful of wheat and, and they would cut it off and they would gather as several of those and they would wrap them up and that was a sheaf and, and you stack them together and you finally you're headed to the threshing floor, to the barn, to the house and you are happy because there's the grain. There's the, the food for your children. There's what's going to sustain you going forward, right? We just need to remember when we're going through difficult times that the joy of the harvest is coming. Don't stop. Just, we can't stop. Because life doesn't stop even if we do. Keep doing the things you know to do. Because better days are coming. The joy of the harvest is coming. We all face it. We've all got heartache. Tears. We've all got uncertainty in our future. That's what they were facing. All this uncertainty. But they wanted to do what God wanted them to do. And so they put the seed in the ground because they knew the joy of the harvest was coming. Galatians 6 verse 9 says, And let us not grow weary of doing good, Let us not grow weary of doing good, of doing what we know we're supposed to do. For in due season, we will reap if we do not give up. Keep doing good. In due season, we will reap. We will have a harvest of joy. We will bring in the sheaves if we do not Give up. You know what the devil tells us every time we're sad? You deserve this. Things are never going to be any better for you. (laughs) It's a lie. All of it is. The truth is that the, the loving grace of God embraces us and carries us through the most, the most difficult times of life. And the tears flow down our cheeks. We have those memories and we go back and those things are so vivid to us as we think about those things. Uh, an old memory comes up and that fresh hurt still seems as bad as it was. We all have those. But better days are coming because the Lord of the harvest said that if we sow, we will reap a harvest of joy. In this life and in the one to come. Be encouraged. He who sows in tears shall reap with shouts of joy.
Let's pray together. Father, I I thank you that you know about the hard times. Lord, you, you, don't, you don't miss it. You see what we're going through. Lord, and I thank you for your promise of better days. Lord, help us to trust you. Help us to believe. Help us to give it to you. Help us to keep going and to keep doing right. Help us not to grow weary in well-doing because we know in due season we will reap if we don't give up. Lord, help us not to give up, but to give you praise. And we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Stand. The altar's.